This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to Inside the Tunnel, brought to you by VT Scoot 24-7 Sports. My name is Andrew Alex. I am joined today by, once again, no Evan Watkins, but Doug Mateo here. What's going on, boys? Not a whole lot. Getting ready for the season. Um, you know, football's right around the corner. I think we got a week zero coming up in a, in a few days. Kind of feels like we're getting pretty close. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All I know is Doug has been spending all of his time in the cave watching film. Mate, have you been doing similar activities? Have you been trying to emulate Doug? While Doug has been in his cave, I've been out on vacation uh, using the VT Scoop funds to fund my summer funds. Um, but summer funds. <laughs> yeah, I <messed laughs> summer fun. Um, there is no more dangerous weapon than the VT Scoop company card. <laughs> absolutely, Evan. Evan can't be here because he is going through all my expenses right now. But. Uh, <laughs> Only Matei could make his vacation fence report have to get a, a federal audit. But nonetheless, we're here to audit something even more important than Matei's vacation endeavors. And that's the Virginia Tech defense, where, unlike the offense, there's actually some familiar names returning. So we'll start off at, I, I guess, notable positions, probably one of the more notable Virginia Tech players in the last 10 years. And that's the inside linebackers with the duo of Tax Hollyfield and Alan Tisdale. Now, I saw some national account, and I don't know who it was. I don't think it was 247. But someone was doing their preview for the ACC and said that Hollyfield and Tisdale were among the best inside linebacker duos in the country. But Tay and Doug, yay or nay on that one? I think that's a nay from me. That's a big nay from me. <laughs> <laughs> Look, they're that's you know that's experience. They're experienced. They played a lot of football, and you look at tackles and all that stuff. They're probably up there with any of the returning linebackers. Um, I think NC State has the best linebacking core in the ACC, at least. Um, you know, Hollyfield. You know, this is something that I think we'll talk about throughout the defense is that there's a lot of veterans on the team that are probably are what they are at this point and whether they can whether this new coaching staff can extract any more production out of them and and raise their level of plays, you know, a huge part of of where this defense ends up. You know, you look at, you know, I, I don't know how you could say that Hollyfield and Tisdale are the, you know, among the best linebackers in the country when you know Virginia Tech hasn't been in top you know they haven't finished higher than 49th I think it is in defensive FEI in the last five years since 2017 which was before Tisdale and before to Hollyfield so um that's that's a that they're decent they're solid maybe even um you know what you're going to get you would 
you know, it, but it's still a position that I think everybody kind of always has for the last few years now has always wanted a little bit more um, from those guys. And, and certainly just because they're coming back for another year doesn't quite mean they're going to, they're going to do that. So, you know, that's a big position. That's a big, you know, you could say that about Pollard and Garbit and Chamari Connor and those guys all over the defense. But, you know, those two are kind of the, you know, the, they'll grab the most attention just being linebackers playing for Brent Pry with Chris Marv with Xavier DB. Like, you know, I've written it all offseason. There's no shortage of resources for these guys to be better than they've been to date. But whether that actually happens is completely up in the air. Yeah, and I think that the, you know, it's great that they're getting the attention from Pry and um, Marv. And I think they'll be able to stretch their potential. But I think in terms of pushing them into the next tier, being like these elite linebackers that can dominate the ACC, I don't think it's it's time for that yet. And, you know, it's encouraging to hear that, you know, quotes from some of the previous media sessions that, you know, Dax Hollifield is looking better simply because he has better technique. He's not taking as many false steps and, um, you know, he's able to do things more efficiently. We all know he's not like this mega athlete, but a, a solid guy back there. Um, even with Alan Tisdale, we're, you know, we're hearing he's being pushed by Jaden Keller, who we haven't seen on the football field yet and is a redshirt freshman. So, you know, what does that say about Alan Tisdale? And then Kashawn Artis is working at multiple positions um, and seeing how he can factor in. So I think you have a solid baseline for what the linebackers could be. And I think they could be pretty, you know, at least average to above average within the ACC ranks. But um, to push them into the next echelon, I think, is is a little premature. But I definitely think we'll see some improvements just from, you know, what Pry has been able to do across his entire career. Yeah, and I absolutely agree. I mean, if you look at some of the performances in the past from Hollifield, from Tisdale, and I know Doug loves to dive into those pro football focus numbers, despite Hollyfield's leadership abilities and the fact that he really has been sort of a face, if not the face of the program since he came onto the scene as a highly tatted recruit and making an impact as a freshman. But the numbers kind of told a different story at times. And it told a story that maybe he wasn't bad, but he wasn't getting all that much better. Right. So you would hope that these stories from camp are true and that he is cleaning those little things up because those little things can make a big difference, especially for a guy that, you know, doesn't necessarily have that next level athletic ability to make up for these kind of things. But I think that you guys are kind of on the money that what we should expect out of this group is to be an above replacement level group, like an above average level group, if you will. But let's not hope that, you know, one calendar year turn to the next and they're going to be completely different guys because I think that'll leave a lot of fans being very disappointed. I looked it up today. Uh, Hollyfield among ACC linebackers that played, you know, 50% of 900 snaps so, uh, among starters, basically. PFF graded him the number 22 linebacker in the conference last year. Um, if you look at Tech's, you know, most recent good to, you know, above average to good defenses, which is the 2019 unit. Um, 
and the 2017 unit, which was excellent. Um, Rayshard Ashby was the 2019 Mike linebacker, and he was the number five linebacker in the ACC that year. 2017, it was Matua Puaka. He was the number three graded linebacker in the ACC that year. Um, you know, you, you're, I don't think you're going to see Hollyfield get into the top five, but if he can go from number 22 to number 12 or something, you know, I think that's a, that's a substantial improvement that gets you, like Andrew was talking about, to that, you know, above replacement level, you know, better than they have been to date um, kind of kind of play for the linebackers. Looking at the ends, we have Taiwan Garbutt and Cole Nelson slotted as, as the presumable starters at those positions. You know, we've seen a lot from Garbutt over the years, an experienced guy in the room, whereas Nelson's more of sort of the up-and-comer. How comfortable do you feel with these guys coming off the edge? I think it's a decent group. I think we're gonna. I think I'm gonna say decent a lot about all these guys. Garbit is like you know. I think he is what he is at this point for, for just like all all the other veterans. Um, I would be surprised if he if he performed at a level higher, much 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 higher than what he's been at this year. Which he's a decent defensive end. He's a starting defensive end with. You know, plenty of experience. That's good. I'm, I'm much more intrigued by Cole Nelson, by C.J. McRae. Um, those two in particular, I think I think those are guys that you want to look week over week, month over month this season. I think those are your two, probably your two starting defensive ends next year. So I'm much more intrigued by their play in 2022 and, and you know, how they look, you know, in November compared to September and against, you know, against, you know, quality offensive lines. Um, I don't think there's a difference maker at the position just yet. I think Nelson or McCray could get there in due time down the road. Um, and I think you'll see that probably play out in sack numbers this year. I think it's another year where Virginia Tech isn't getting a lot of, a lot of sacks from their defensive end spots and they'll have to generate it elsewhere if they want to be a, you know, of what Brent Pry expects or what you come to expect from a Brent Pry defense in terms of how good they are. You know, it's just a, you know, it's a top four. I think they feel good about it. Um, but like, I don't think there's a, you know, like I said, I don't think there's a big time pass rusher or a huge difference maker just yet. I think this is where it sucks that Phil Darius Payne is hurt too. Uh, with his Achilles and likely out for the year, even though they said they're not ruling it out just yet. Um, you obviously have Jalen Griffin and Eli Adams who are serviceable depth if you get to that point. Um, but I think you touched on it. It's Taiwan Garbutt is kind of like the Caleb Smith of the end room. And then you have CJ McCray, who you've heard so many good things about that you wonder like, what is there? And this is his year to kind of break out uh, in that rotational role behind Garba and, you know, see what he can do on third downs, see how he can attack the quarterbacks, because it sounds like he has that natural ability to get to the quarterback. I think it's putting in the complete package that is kind of holding him back from being that full-time starter. And then Cole Nelson has kind of honed in his craft and is kind of, you know, as everyone else kind of left the room, he's the guy that's remained there. 
Um, but he's, you know, forced his way to playing time. He hasn't redshirted, um, and he looks like the guy, at least physically. Um, but I, I still think he's a bit of an unknown. So uh, there's definitely, as Doug said, it looks decent there. I think you like some of the pieces, and you can see, you know, some of the potential there. Um, and obviously, we'll we'll see with, uh, you know, with J.C. Price what he's able to to get out of these guys. Well, there's one player that we know, you know, we we know that he was a upper echelon of the conference player, and we know he's back, and that surprised a lot of people. as Jamari Connor. First, I guess we'll say, like, what do you think the incentive for him to come back? I think he probably would have been drafted. Do you think it's the injury history, feeling like he he can build upon something? Is it pure Virginia Tech pride? I know they'll get the fans going. <laughs> you know, feel like he has something left to prove. But you know, why is he back? And, and, you know, what's the ceiling for him this year? You know, how high can you bring that draft stock? Can he be a first-team All-ACC player? Uh, I think he's the favorite of any Virginia Tech, maybe Doran Strong at cornerback, um, but of anyone on Virginia Tech's defense, I think he has the best chance of of being that level. Um, certainly, I, I you know I think he came back because he's a tweener. He's been playing a tweener position his entire career at Virginia Tech, and probably gave him a chance to play safety, which is probably the spot he's going to have to um, he's going to have to prove himself out if he prove himself at if he wants to stick in the stick in the NFL. So um, I think he has to be the best player on the field for Virginia Tech's defense this year if they want to be you know better than they were last year. Um, Pride talks all the time about he wants his defenders to run run through the ball, run by the ball to get to the ball carrier. What, whatever that means, um, you know, he seems to be the most likely guy, and maybe by moving from that, you know, that nickel whip spot that he's been at for the last, you know, three or four years, back to, back to kind of a more traditional safety role that frees him up to be a, a little more of a, dif- a little more of a difference maker. So, um, if you're looking for Virginia Tech's defense to have a big year, it's probably because it's going to be because of Chamari Goner. Um, and, and what he can do, I think he has. A, I think he's got a great opportunity to improve his draft stock as a safety and all that, um, as a real disruptive, probably more in the box than in coverage type safety. But you know, he of 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 anyone on Virginia Tech's defense, he's the guy that in in 2022 this season can come out and have a huge year. Matei, Kendricks, and Pollard, guys who probably before they should have emerged as starters on the interior defensive line with Penne and Fuga, two guys who I think were very unheralded coming in, sort of made a name for themselves, at least amongst the fan base, rotating in and backing them up. Is this a group that we need to worry about? Is this a group that maybe fans are sleeping on? Where, Where do you stand with these guys? I think it's somewhere in the middle. And, you know, with this group, I think it's interesting with, you know, what kind of step will Josh Fuga take? Um, you know, he's a guy that shed some some weight, um, really looks like a different player this year um, after the offseason training. Um, he's someone that I can see, you know, kind of leapfrogging Mario Kendricks and, and playing. And he, he clearly has that 
physical presence to do it. Um, and, and especially for what, you know, the coaches want out of the position. And then Norrell Pollard is kind of like your old, you know, lingering Charlie Wiles type defensive tackle that, you know, may be a bit undersized, um, but has plenty of grit and even gives you a little bit of ability to, to rush the passer. So, you know, not a typical what you expect out of the position, nor maybe what, you know, the position will call for on the recruiting trail moving forward. But I think, you know, they, you know, there is a lot of ability here. I think once you start to go down to Wilfred Penne, and I know he's, I, I think he gained somewhere in the realm of like 25 to 30 pounds. Uh, he's up to like 280 now. Uh, after being 250 last year. So he's he's definitely making the commitment to look the part. But again, we're talking about, you know, this was a position for many, many years that could not fill depth, missed so many times on the recruiting trail that you have a guy in Wilfred Penne who was a tight end, flipped to defensive end, and then was moved to defensive tackle. So that's the kind of depth you're working with there. Uh, you know, there are other guys, Gunnar Gibbons, they're giving him a chance. I don't know if he's going to be in the rotation. Uh, a Desmond Mamoudi, who, you know, tours ACL, I believe, last year, uh, was forced to redshirt. So, um, you know, Malachi Madison is a guy that, again, looks the part, but can he play uh, early on in his career? I think there's a lot of questions about depth in this unit, but simply on the basis of, you know, Josh Fuga getting a bit better, Norrell Pollard being solid, and Mario Kendricks definitely being, you know, that two or three guy, I think you're looking good there. Building four and five is is the big thing with this group. Defensive tackle kind of reminds me of offensive line, where, like, one of the top three, Pollard, Kendricks, Fuga goes down. Like, it gets, it gets hairy quickly in terms of, like, just what you can do um, at defensive tackle, particularly if it's one of the top two. You know, I think there's probably a drop off. You, uh, you know, I kind of expect Fuga to supplant Kendricks this year at some point, if not from the start. But you know, one injury, one injury there, and you're extremely shallow at defensive tackle, just like you are anywhere on the offensive line. And that's not quite a position um, that you want to be in that position at. You know, I think defensive tackle recruiting is probably one of the biggest indictments of the Justin Fuente era. You could, you can make and probably going to be one of the longest lasting impacts. Uh, that's a, you know, it's, it's hard to turn over that position quickly and feel good about it and then maintain it. So, uh, you know, it's a position to watch and as a, as a position of concern, whether they get hurt or they just aren't as good as they hoped. Um, that's a, you know, if, if you're not strong up the middle, you're going to get, you're going to get gashed defensively. So, you know, that's probably the first spot to look if Virginia tech is given a bunch of, um, rushing yards up this year. You're right about the offensive line comparison. And I like the word hairy because as I look at your your Zoom video, it reminds me of your facial hair. And, yeah, that's how things could be. <laughs> but you mentioned Dorian Strong as a potential first-team All-ACC guy. Do you believe that, Doug? It sounded like it uh, at the press conference last week. Um, you know, they talked – like he's ready to go um you know armani chapman and brian murray are competing at that number two cornerback spot it doesn't sound like anybody's particularly close to challenging uh strong at the number one cornerback spot so i think 
um, you know, third year junior played a ton of football so far. Um, pretty much since day one, since he stepped on campus, he's been impressive and, you know, he's still, you know, you look at him on paper, he's still on the, the slender side, I would say, of what you were looking for from a, from a real impact for corner. But, um, I think he was in the top 10 last year in the ACC already in terms of completion percentage on targets against him. Um, yeah, I think he's a guy that, you know, if you look at like Jamari Connor as a proven contributor coming back as a guy that you have high expectations for, um, I think strong is kind of that, you know, the most likely to take the next step in his development in terms of going from a encouraging prospect or, a you know, a developing player and do a bona fide, like, I'm not worried about him kind of starter at Virginia Tech. I think out, outside of, of strong, I think what's really going to make this unit interesting is looking at who's going to be that number two guy. Uh, and I wrote a little bit about it, um, but, but just looking at the competition between Chapman and Breon Murray, it's very interesting that, you know, the coaching staff has consistently said that it's been a neck and neck battle uh, when you look at the two, they're, you know, they look completely different. Chapman at six foot, 208 pounds, which is, you know, pretty oversized for a cornerback, more of that physical guy. And then Murray at 5'11", after being listed at 5'10 last year, and 190. Uh, and the biggest thing between them was Chapman last year played 525 snaps. Murray played 147. So you're talking about you know, Chapman essentially playing three times as much as Murray last year, um, kind of in that role right behind Jermaine Waller. And now all of a sudden there's this, you know, neck and neck competition. Um, so obviously both are going to play. And I think when you're looking at the two, it's a good thing that there's competition. I think you would like to see Chapman kind of leading that a bit more and seeing Murray in, you know, other spots, um, especially in, in, in kind of like past obvious situations. Um, but you know you have a stud and strong, and I think the battle between Chapman and Murray is eventually going to be won by Chapman. But um, just think it's interesting heading into the season uh, to see what's made of that second cornerback position. Well, with Murray, I mean, like, it's hard for me not to think that I want to put him in that category as we've talked about with Caleb Smith, as we've talked about with Jalen Holston, that he kind of is who he is at this point, right? He's had a lot of opportunities to get out there. How much better are you going to get between your junior and senior year, between your senior year and redshirt senior year? So it, it makes you wonder how much of it is coach speak. But if it's not, I mean, obviously you have a completely new group of eyes with you know, perhaps a different set of priorities within the same game making these evaluations. So maybe Murray could make a run at it. Uh, you know, how much of an impact is Jalen Stroman going to make uh, is a big question for me. He's a guy who I think as a freshman caught a little more attention than I figured he would get coming out of high school. But Virginia Tech fans know the name rings a bell. Can he be a guy? Because... I mean, you look at the, the guys who are listed as starters and it gives you some level of comfort. This might not be an elite group, but it's a group that, if healthy, can hold it together. 
but what are the permutations you know, on defense where, you know, it's not going to be like your top three wide receivers who are going to play and then, you know, assuming they all stay healthy, everyone else is not. You're going to have rotational corners. You're going to have rotational, you know, especially defensive linemen, which is, you know, as to what we were talking about before, health becomes so important. This is truly a first-year roster, my friends. Every time I look at it, with a whole lot more questions than answers. I guess one name we haven't mentioned is DJ Harvey. DJ Harvey gets serious time this year. Not on special teams, not returning punts and kicks, you know, against Miami, against Pitt. Is there any chance we see DJ Harvey playing meaningful snaps as a defensive back? I think there's a chance. I think probably later in the year than earlier in the year. I think, you know, I think with Strong, Murray, and Chapman, no, no, no matter who wins that number two cornerback spot, there's a nickelback spot open. Uh, maybe Chapman's not really a prototypical nickel for that spot. Um, but but I think those are your top three experienced corners early. Harvey probably splits some time there at some point. Um and kind of grows into a role. I don't see him having a huge role. He's probably the number four or five corner. Um, so I, I, you know, I expect him to. I, I expect him to be like a lot of the young players that are sitting behind experienced veterans. Um, Jaden Keller's one. Um, McCray, we talked about food. We talked about um, Strowman. You mentioned like there's a there's like a host of you know five or six or seven like freshmen, redshirt freshmen, sophomores that are kind of nipping at the heels of these veterans that we keep talking about that are what they are. Um, and that, that's, I think that's the big storyline for the defense this year is, you know, uh, you, unless you're expecting them to be a top 30, top 20 defense and, you know, lead Virginia Tech to a much more surprising year than expected, like their progression you know, DJ Harvey's progression, CJ McCray's progression, Jaden Keller's progression, Jalen Strowman's progression from 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 week one against ODU to week twelve against UVA. That's that's the big story, I think, on defense this year is is who emerges. I think Harvey is definitely a guy that could do that, like um as he gets experienced and more comfortable and as um Brent Pry gets more comfortable with him, as Chris Marv gets more comfortable with him, I think, you know, that nickel spot is ideal for someone like him. Okay. Anything else you guys want to cover on defense before we get to the most important position on the team, our boy, our favorite guy. I think the, the number one thing that is kind of wait and see mode is, you know, what's going to happen with the Sam linebacker position. First of all, who is it going to be? Is it Keonta Jenkins? Um, is it a guy like J.R. Walker who, you know, was a highly rated prospect and we haven't seen anything happen with him? Or is it a guy like Kelly Lawson who was lined up at wide receiver previously? Game two inches again, he's another one of those, is now six foot six out of the blue um, in his second year in college uh, and 220 pounds. So I think I'm excited to see what's made of the role who's going to win it and how influential it can be to this offense. We're so accustomed to seeing kind of like that four, two, five from Bud Foster to Justin Hamilton. Uh, and now seeing a more traditional approach with 
three linebackers where, you know, this role is your hybrid safety slash linebacker, I think is going to be really interesting. Will it be more of the same of what we've seen? Maybe. Um, but I'm, I'm curious to see how that's going to shake out. I think Kelly Lawson is like the, the player to watch. Um, unless he's just like, you know, I think he, they got him at six six two fifteen right now. You know, unless he's just physically not ready to to play in the front seven um, in the power five just yet. But certainly that athleticism and all and the length and all that stuff is like feels like it's going to be hard to keep off the field at some point. Um, he's a unicorn. As long as they got, uh, you know, I think they're working him at Sam and Will right now, which. To me, that says he's making some progress in terms of like understanding the defense and making the switch from wide receivers. So, you know, he's a guy that that kind of length and athleticism is something Virginia Tech doesn't have on the field very much right now. Um, and I think that could be hard to keep off the field as the season progresses. I think, you know, Tisdale, Hollyfield, Jenkins is probably your starting linebackers on day one. Maybe Jaden Keller can get in there officially for Tisdale, but like uh, Lawson seems like somebody who could emerge as the year goes on and be a go from being that you know situational or or backup you know plan mop up duty to to a much larger role. Who's this year's Marco Lee, the guy that we're hearing about all summer and then never actually gets a snap of meaningful football? Leave? Could be C.J. McCray. I don't know. I mean, looking at this, it has to be one of those guys that you're hearing all the hype. You haven't seen them play a CJ McCray, a Kelly Lawson, uh, a DJ Harvey. You know, like we want to see them on the field because of what we've heard, what the expectations placed upon them have become. But is it realistic to see CJ McCray as, you know, a guy that can steal all the reps from Cole Nelson or, or Taiwan Garba? Is it? Realistic to see Kelly Lawson as a guy that, you know, as I just mentioned, was a wide receiver, training to become a wide receiver, you know, step into a new defense and 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 take control of, you know, one of the linebacker positions or a DJ Harvey. Is he realistically going to play, you know, meaningful enough snaps over a Dorian Strong, who we all agree is, you know, one of the staples of this defense and Armani Chapman and Breon Murray, who pretty much will not leave the field between the two of them. Um, so it has to be one of those three. It could be Jaden Keller potentially, but um, uh, you know, those guys that you hear a lot of the off season hype, sometimes it never comes to fruition uh, the following season. So there's an open competition at punter. I think this is the last thing we have time to cover. Is our boy Peter Moore in trouble here or is that just coach B? I think that's just coach speak. I think Stu Holt's that type of guy that he wants to push everyone because when he was at media day, it seemed like everything was a competition. I mean, we're going from long snapper competition. If you don't know who your long snapper is, you know, halfway through August, I think you're in big trouble. Uh, and, and I don't want to be a part of the committee that has to distinguish who's the better long snapper and, and spend <laughs> all that time there. But uh, I think Peter Moore is safe. Uh, freshman All-American, third-team All-ACC last year. Um, 
You know, again, I don't know how much a scheme changes in terms of changing special teams coordinators and, um, you know, what the punting styles necessarily are. But, you know, after the year that Peter Moore had last year, it's it's going to be hard to upend them. Doug, you cool with John Love at the kicker position? John Love or Will Will Ross? I mean, I don't know how you can have any expectations for either of them at this point. Um, I haven't the seen one, any. The one position where we're able to, where we've been able to have expectations for the position for the last like decade consistently. Yeah, the now, opposite of quarterback. Now you're heading into, you know, uh, I, I think I mentioned that. You know, you don't want to be starting at ODU. Um, I mean, that's a tough environment for either. Whoever wins that job um, goes into a tough environment right from the start. To, to You know, if it's low, I, mean, I don't think any of them have kicked in front of any kind of crowd or game or anything like that. So um, certainly going to be interesting to see w- what plays out there. What Ross, I think, was the guy that, transferred from coastal to South Carolina to tech, but never actually played on the team at South Carolina or something like that. Um, you know, I thought it was John loves job after, after the spring pretty handily, but, um, we'll see how that shakes out. That's a, you know, that's a, that's like a dark horse issue or, you know, concern for Virginia tech. If, you know, the defense and the offense shakes out as expected, like, <laughs> Virginia Tech hasn't had kicking issues in a long time um, in terms of just not having somebody that they can really trust. You know, I think Brian Saunders there from beyond 40 was was shaky for a couple years. But, um, you know, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens at kicker. I think I think that's a big, big question mark for this team is. And, you know, it kind of brings up the. The uncertainty of. Brent Pride's philosophy as a head coach. We don't know what we don't know how conservative he's going to be, how aggressive he's going to be, how you know what he thinks about going for it on fourth fourth down from you know inside the other team's fifty, which he should go for it every time if he if if you follow the numbers and things like that. So um, I think that's going to be an interesting thing to to learn about Pry as a head coach now that he's calling the shots is like. It's probably a guy that trusts his defense and is going to defer to the conservative side of it and punt the ball away and all that stuff. But um, I guess we'll see. All right, gentlemen. Well, I am getting tired. Other than subscribe, VIP, BT Scoop 24-7 Sports, and tell Evan Watkins to get back on the podcast. Do you have any last words for the folks at home? I got nothing. I'm good. Tank, anything? Yeah, nothing for the people. Hopefully we'll get Evan on to do a little recruiting recap, refresh um, for the next episode. And, um, you know, we're almost ready to kick this thing off. And uh, maybe we'll have some season previews um, and keep things interesting. Yeah, I think there is a, you know, a full season preview we can go through the schedule kind of similar to you know Matea's across the board season preview article which okay has Mike Mizelik submitted that yet he has not uh even answered yet um but I'm, I'm sure he's 
on site, you know, at the place he needs to be while we're all remote, and uh, he'll get that over. Yeah. He must must be putting a lot of thought into it. But regardless, we'll have a season preview podcast, just like we have that season preview article. And we'll be back for that, though. Evan Watkins will be here with a recruiting update as well. Get that VIP subscription. Matei's vacation, it it won't pay for itself. BT Scoot 24-7 Sports, you're listening to Inside the Tunnel. We'll hang out with you next time. Until then, go Hokies.